Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Today is November 30th. Can it be possible? We've gotten this far in the year already. And this is the Mixed Experience. It's a weekly podcast by a mixed chick sharing mixed thoughts about a mixed-up world. I'm your host and resident mixed chick, Heidi DeRoe. And today, we're doing something that we haven't done before, which I'm really excited about doing, but we're doing a listener spotlight update. Yes, that means this is one of you guys out there in the Mixie world who listens to this podcast. We had Peg on earlier um, this year, was this year, wasn't it? And she has some updates in her family search that she wants to tell us about. And we're going to like see some mixed chicks chatting stuff about the news of the day because there's a lot of mixedness out there right now. Um, just a couple of announcements before I bring Peg on um, Wow. So happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. I wasn't with you last week and I wanted to be because I wanted to play dysfunctional family bingo with you. Have you ever played that? It's kind of a fun game. It relieves the stress of being around family where you put on a bingo card all the awful things you think are going to happen for Thanksgiving and you check them off as they happen. And the first person who checks off all the stuff, wins. So obviously you play with friends over the phone. Um, anyway, the good news was I had a great Thanksgiving day. Uh, I missed my, my family of origin because they're not in California, but my family of choice and my husband's family, which is my family, we had a great time. So I hope you did too. All right. Uh, the announcement really is just always the same thing. I have this labor of love. It's called the Mixed Remix Festival. And it happens every June in Los Angeles, and it's an amazing event. It's the nation's premier cultural arts event for stories about the mixed experience and multiracial families. And we do film screenings and book readings and performance and stuff, lots of stuff. I, I don't know why I'm going blank, but it, this year it's two full days. It's June 10th and 11th, 2016 at the Japanese American National Museum in downtown Los Angeles, and it's completely free. It's totally free. Uh, it's also all volunteer. That means none of us get paid, not one of us, not a cent, not a dime. In fact, we go out of pocket to put it together, and that's where you come in. Um, hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you're kind of hardcore, obviously. It would be awesome if you could contribute as part of your year-end giving I mean, think about it. It's kind of the time to give money away. If you give us money, it's actually tax deductible, and we have a brand new way of giving now on our website. If you go to the donate page, all you have to do is click through the donate, and you'll be brought to a safe and secure page where you can donate via credit card any amount you wish. Uh, you choose. Any amount would help. We really do this on a shoestring budget. We beg, borrow, and barter for everything we can, but there are things that 
obviously costs money. And that's where you come in. So if you want to keep the festival going, even if you can't attend, uh, send the money because if we can't raise the money now, it's not going to continue when you're ready to get here, right? So do this for yourself or do it for the person who's coming this year. We really need your support. Go to www.mixedremix.org. All right, so that's it for that. <laughs> Today's uh, conversation is kind of freewheeling. I was really interested in hearing more about Peg's story because, of course, it continues, right? Like, we are all living this mixed experience, and we think, okay, now we've settled on how we're going to deal with the what are you question, right? And then things change in your life. Uh, your situation changes. I was just talking to a very dear friend earlier today about how she had spent her entire life trying to figure out how to tell people that, yes, in fact, she was black and Jewish, and this is why she had this name, and this is why her hair looked this way, and this is why she was this color. And then she ended up marrying someone who is Puerto Rican and now has a Puerto Rican last name, and now everyone thinks they've got her figured out, right? So things change because of the landscape you're in, who people assume you're in relation to. And so this is really exciting for me to bring Peg back to see how maybe she's changing in her experience. So anyway, Peg, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back. How are you? Hi, Heidi. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. I'm super excited. So, all right, so the first question I asked today was, how are you? But I have to ask again, given that intro, if you could answer or re-answer or today answer the traditional first question, what are you? Would you do it differently? You know, I think I messed it up, or, you know, the last time. Um, but, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess That's how I we always so- feel, Peg. That's how mixers <laughs> always feel, like, oh, I got it wrong. They wanted to know what I was using in my hair as hair product. <laughs> right, right. I know. So, um, you know, I, I really am, what am I? I'm I'm a mixed chick. I mean, that's right now at this point in time, that's what I am. I'm a mixed chick. And I, Yay! I, <laughs> and I love it. I love that's it. Awesome. Well, so tell us a little about a bit about where you were in the journey when we last spoke, and then, and then what has happened with your continuing adventures and discovery of your background? Oh, it's been it's been a whirlwind. Um, okay, so when we last spoke, I I was still searching for my biological dad. I had met my biological mom and um, and found out that I have a half-brother, and that was uh, amazing. And, you know, my biological mother married, and she has a, a husband, and he's great. Um, so now, um, in October, I uh, found my biological dad. And it was kind of funny how it happened. Uh, you know, on Facebook, it, it shows you uh, this time – six years ago or this time a year ago. It shows you oh, the yes, memories. Oh, yeah, flashback. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that happened to pop up um, on my Facebook, um, and it, it popped, it showed the me searching for my dad, my biological dad, and and so I reposted it. I was like, oh, how cool. It's been exactly a year. Let's repost it. Let's share it again. Um, so I did, and then one of my 
high school friends suggested that I join a closed Facebook group uh, for adoptees from Ohio. So I did. Um, and keep in mind that this is also after the uh, adoption records in Ohio were unsealed. So um, that was that helped me, I suppose, know that my biological dad was from West Indies or whatever. That somehow I had some information from my my original birth certificate that helped me give me a little bit of a an identifier for my biological dad. Um, so anyway, so I joined this Facebook group, and within an hour, um, a, a gentleman named Kenny Phillips. He's a a volunteer, and he helps adoptees. Um, he had he confirmed for me that this who Peter Ross was and where he was located and his address and phone number and um, and it was it was great. So then I called uh, a bunch of numbers that day and left a bunch of messages. Um, well, let me and, let me stop you here, Peg, because I, like there's excitement brewing because oh my gosh, you actually finally connected the the name with the person with a possible location. When you were calling, what did you think you were going to get? Well, I, what were you going to say? Um, I, I didn't know. I was kind of winging it. I was kind of just <laughs> like kind of let the moment uh, let it flow, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure. You know, I had, I'd rehearsed it a million times in my, in my head, and uh, it, it really just, I don't know, honestly. I just was so desperate to see if it was him. Um, that I just kind of just kept calling the numbers and I left messages just asking for Peter, you know, asking for Peter Ross. Hi, I'm looking for Peter Ross. And so it was basically re- people thought you were a bill collector. Right, <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't really know. I don't know what these people thought, but I, I, I went through all these emotions. Um, you know, what, what if they, you know, like that, what if they think I'm a bill collector? What if, what if they think I want something? You know, um, what if he doesn't, rem- you know, remember? I just didn't, I didn't know how it was going to go. It was, um, again, a roller coaster of emotions for sure, for sure. Um, but then there was one number that I called that my biological mom, she said, hey, why don't you call this number? And I called that number, but I didn't leave a message. I don't know why. It was the only number I didn't leave a message on. Um, and then later that night, I received a phone call back. And he said, hi, this is Peter Ross. I'm returning a phone call. And Oh, my and God. I, yeah, I was totally caught off guard. And it, uh, I, I just, I said, uh, uh, hi, do you remember Paula Peters? And he said, of course, of course I remember her. And I said, well, um, I'm, um, I'm your daughter. And he, and he was so adorable. He was so sweet. He just sat there for a minute and he said, okay, wow, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, and his first question was, why didn't Paula tell me? And I said, um, you have to talk to her about that. And I said, you know, it was a long time ago and she was 19 and, so, um, but it's it's been great. He's so sweet and so kind, and we were able to meet uh, about a month after we first spoke. And he's just okay, a really well, sweet man. Okay, let's back up a little bit here. How does the rest of the conversation go? I mean, he is he angry or he's perplexed or he just is 
stunned somehow by this information. It yes. sounds like you um, had a really great conversation, though. We did. We did. Uh, we didn't talk so much the first night. That was, I think that was a Thursday night. I think we spoke more the next day. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was definitely perplexed. He, I mean, he had no idea. He's, you know, 67 now, and he found out that he has a 43-year-old daughter, you know, <laughs> wow. who has, yeah. you know, a husband and three children. And um, he's, uh, he, he's been very gracious, and he understands. I mean, it was, it was 1972. It was a different time. It was a time when it wasn't okay for couples to, to mix, you know, and, I, and I, this all happened in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, so, you know, I, I think the biggest journey for me through all of this is to understand what the world was like when I was born, you know, to right. understand the, that Cincinnati was very German, you know, lots of Germans and very conservative and, um, you know, I don't know, there was a lot of, uh, it was frowned upon. You know, I don't really know how else to say it other than it was frowned upon. And, um, and it was frowned upon by my biological mom's family. And that really is mostly why he didn't know about me. And it's very sad. That part makes me sad. But, you know. Uh, how, how was he able to digest that part of it? I mean, has he now been in touch to learn more about the, the reasons he didn't know about you? Yes. Uh, he and my uh, biological mom, her name's Paula, they, uh, they spoke when he and I first, when he came down to visit us, um, Paula works for an airline, so they were able to have, she flew down from, she lives in Dallas, so they flew down, uh, it was like a 45-minute flight, so they had about 45 minutes to catch up, you know, over the years, and when he got off the plane, he was so cute. He said, uh, "He said, I'll never tell you what happened. You'll never know why uh, I didn't <laughs> didn't know." And I said, "Oh, you mean?" And I I said, "Oh, you mean because of Paula's parents?" And he said, "Oh, you know?" And I said, "Yes, I know." Um, oh my so, gosh, that's so sweet. He was trying yeah. to protect you. Yeah, yeah, he's very sweet. So he's he's um, it's really cool because he wasn't he was born in New York. In Manhattan, he said, but he was raised in Trinidad. Um, his grandfather, I think, was a was a missionary, so he grew up in Trinidad and then came back to America and was in Cincinnati for, I think, the rest of his high school years, and and then he's lived in California now for a long time. So he has a different. Um, he's very proper, you know. It's it's really <laughs> it's really. I think- yeah, I get that feeling. I know what you mean. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, it's great getting to know him, and he's been just so accepting and so loving and um, really just far more than I ever imagined. I, I never imagined uh, to have this well, at all, what, ever. What piece of, of you, who you are, your mixed chick self, do you think is maybe this is the wrong word, but healed by finally getting to know him and knowing where, where you're from, at least biologically. Well, you know, it's, it's been, um, for me, I can, I can, I don't know, own it. I guess I can own the part of me that isn't white. You know, the part of me that is, 
um, that makes me the mixed chick that I am. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's like there, there's no, there's no question. Now I know, and and I can embrace it, and my kids can embrace it, and um, I don't have to to wonder, and I don't. When people look at me now, which you know still happens every single day, people look <laughs> at me and and they either ask or they you know the look, the tilted head or whatever. Like, what is she? What is what's yeah. Up, yeah. What's going on there? The hair, the coloring, there's something <laughs> off here. <laughs> right, right. Um, now it's it's different. It's it's not um because I know I know where I, I come from and there's I don't know, there's a peace with that. You know, growing up being adopted in in an all white environment and predominantly white environment, um and being mixed and being the only person of any color, you know, in my in my environment, um, it was hard. And it, but now I don't know. I don't know how to explain. But there's just a peace. There's a calmness. And um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It sounds like you had the very best result, and that is so exciting for me. Do, do you have other family that you'll be keeping in touch with? Family that he he had while he was younger. Yes, I have. I found out that I have two half sisters, um, and uh, one I talk to quite often. Um, and yeah, I mean it's it's great, and they have kids, and so hopefully we'll we'll all get to meet soon. And there are, he has um, sisters. Are they mixed and, also? They are. They are. <laughs> There's a whole little mixed tribe out there. He's made. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's. That's been really cool. And just talking to um, my one sister, Erica, and hearing her experiences and, and what life has been like for her, it's, uh, you know, there's a comfort there, too. Um, not to say that it, that I'm happy that she had to go through those situations, but there's a comfort knowing that I wasn't alone, you know, that, that I'm, I don't know, I hope that, and she's, she's, part of me she's my family you know she's my my bloodline I don't know there's something about that I I can't explain it because I didn't I never had that you know growing up it was just me and right now I have I have a bloodline which is I don't know it's it's an interesting thing when you don't have it and then you have it it's yeah hard to explain I have a a friend who um, is also mixed white, black, and she was adopted and raised in a, in a white family, I want to say in Ohio. You, you may have more cousins than you know. But she was, <laughs> no, I think she came from a different state. But she grew up in Ohio, and she recently had a baby, and she said it was the most powerful experience. Obviously, having a child, your first child is a big deal, but what she, what she resonated with was this idea of this is the only bloodline that she knows. And it's not yeah. one that goes back, it's one that goes forward. So I can only imagine, you know, for you, what it must feel like to finally get that connection to history. And even yeah. to a landscape. I mean, you belong to another country as well. What does that feel like for you? It's really cool. Because what I found out was that Peter's mom was born in Haiti and his dad was born in St. Thomas. And oh, you might yeah, be... You're part Afro-Viking, you know. The Danes used to own those islands. 
I know, and I have Scandinavian, but you know, it's it's it's. I have a. I know we're maybe we're cousins, Heidi. Wouldn't that be? We awesome? might be cousins. But hey, cousins. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. That but yeah, so it cool. is it is really cool because I feel like I've I have um I don't know it it I guess part of that peace and that calm comes from knowing where I came from and then it 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 explains um, my love of certain things or why I've gravitated towards certain things in my life. Now those pieces of the puzzle that were kind of like oh well why do I like that I have no real reason to to be drawn towards you know the ocean or why do why is that my favorite place mm-hmm. to be. You know, now I now I have a more understanding of that, you know. Well, so here's a question for you. You had such and are having a very good experience of this reunion and, and finding your family. Is it something you would recommend for everyone? Or do you feel like a person who's in search of that should be in a certain place in their life? There, there are a lot of people who are adopted, who are mixed, who listen to this podcast. And I'm just wondering if you have words of advice for them. You know, I, I would. I would recommend it um, always. However, I would recommend having a strong support system and, and understanding that it, honestly, I don't know that there ever if there ever is a good time, if there is ever, whatever, if there's a good time, right? Um, right. I don't think that one, I would say that I was totally ready. Before it all happened, I would have said, I'm totally ready. I'm on top of this. <laughs> I've got this. And then when it actually happened, I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to deal with all these emotions. This is really, because honestly, I had prepared myself for the worst all all of these years when I uh, prepared myself to to meet my biological mom. I was prepared for her to just not really want to have anything to do with me. Turned mm-hmm. out that wasn't the case, but I was prepared for that. Um, same with my biological dad. I absolutely expected him to say, well, actually to not even talk to me um, because it was so long ago. So for me, I suppose maybe that wasn't the best thing to prepare myself. Honestly, I'd, I can't tell you if it was good or bad, but for me, I prepared myself for the worst scenario, worst case scenario, and it turned out to be absolutely, unbelievably amazing. So, so um, yeah, thank I'm you. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy it turned out well for you as well. And oh, now you have you. this giant extended family that you get to you get to know, and then maybe one day play dysfunctional family bingo with them. <laughs> yes, that sounds like an awesome game. I totally want to play that. Oh. Well, well, so, Peg, I am so glad to have the update, but I also brought you on today because I just need needed to talk to, like, another mixed chick about kind of the K-Digs, quote-unquote, controversy that has mm-hmm. happened in the last couple of weeks. So just for the listeners who may not be up to date on your BuzzFeed or Root articles, um, Tay Diggs has written a new children's book. His first is called Chocolate Me, and it was kind of inspired by him growing up as a brown-skinned, chocolate, beautiful man, boy. And his second book is called Mixed Me, and he wrote it for his son, who is mixed race. His wife is um, white or was. So the son's mother is Adina Menzel. Did I say her name right? I hope I didn't John Travolta-ize it. 
she's white. So he's half black and half white. And so he was doing all these interviews for promotion for the book. And he said in one interview that was widely repeated everywhere and then criticized, he says, when you call biracial kids black, you risk disrespecting that one half of who you are. And that's my fear for his son, he explained. I don't want my son to be in a situation where he calls himself black and everyone thinks he has a black mom and a black dad and then they see a white mother and they wonder, oh, what's going on? And people lost their minds about this. Uh, black Twitter went crazy on Tay Diggs. Uh, I, don't, I don't even remember all the different names they called him. Uh, but basically they said they were very disappointed and uh, he, that he was ignorant in saying, of course, his son is black. Like, look at him. He looks like he's black. Just deal with it. And just, the, I mean, a lot of negativity around the fact that he even mentioned that his son should be able to choose being biracial. And, and Peg, I don't know if you felt this way, but as soon as I saw the criticism, there was a piece of me that just thought, oh, my God, this is like, my high school experience all over again. It was, um, the criticism was not, I thought, necessarily always very well thought out. It was more about silencing him and not complicating identity, which is exactly, I think, the wrong thing to do for any person, no matter what your difference is. And so I had this really hard time where I I kept trying to write an essay about it or an op-ed piece or even just a blog post. And I couldn't get my head around it because, and this is the thing I really want to talk about, I kind of felt a little scared about what the response would be to me. I I didn't want to write something that might be misconstrued even though I think I I might have said it more artfully than Tay Diggs said uh, in that moment, because what people seized on was this idea that he was scared or he feared that his son would be seen as black. And, you know, I I think he wasn't necessarily as artful as he could have been in that moment, but he's also not a writer and I'm a writer. And I thought, what if I get this wrong? And then my legacy on the internet is, you know, Heidi fears blackness. I, I don't know. How do you shake out on the whole Tay Diggs thing? Ah, well, you know, I, I get, I totally get where he's coming from because that, that is what, you know, like you were saying, high school, feel like you're back in high school again. I mean, it really is. Honestly, it's, it, my husband and I, we talk about it quite often because we have three mixed kids. So, um, and we live in it, we still live in a predominantly white environment. So it, it does come up, racial issues come up a lot and our kids talk about um, different racial issues. So I, I was raised to be to consider myself mixed. That's how my parents raised me. You're mixed. You're biracial. You have the best of both worlds. And that truly was one of my concerns growing up was that I why can't I say that I'm mixed? Why is that wrong? Why is that bad? Because I am. I I have part of my mom who's white and I have part of my dad who's black and and to say that I'm one or the other means that I am denying the other um right. part of me. And and this was the I mean this is always the strange thing when people get upset about talking about mixedness. Um it's as if 
what they're saying is you're either mixed or you're black. And this is, you know, line drawing. If you're saying you're mixed, then you're denying blackness somehow. And I feel like there's got to be a new conversation around, well, you can be mixed and still be black. You can be mixed and black at the same time. And you don't have to deny or um, obfuscate the truth of, of what your experience is. But it's 2015 and people still, <laughs> they still don't understand that. What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's messed up. It really is just <laughs> crazy. It's honestly, I mean, I don't know, it's just crazy. And I talked to my kids, I was talking to my oldest um, daughter about uh, what, how does she see race and, and how does this, how have we done? You know, as parents, how have we done? Well, so how just, have you done? <laughs> well, the good news is she she said, which is what we intended, that she doesn't see, she doesn't see race. When she sees people, that, that's not what she's looking at. She's judging people by their actions. And I, it hurts. It hurts my heart when I see some of the um, comments that people make about mixed people, um, about mixed people who try to say, hey, it's cool, I want to go ahead and identify as both. Um, it, it hurts because it is 2015, and it's about human. It's about the human experience, and it, it the differences that we have, that's what makes, to me, that's what makes life interesting is how different we are. And how cool, like you're, even within the mixed community, there's so many differences that make it, all of us mixed people just amazing and so interesting. And I, but I feel that way about everyone. Um, And so I guess my husband and I have just tried to lead by example and to show our children and to help send our children out into the world, um, treating others with love and compassion and knowing that everyone has a story and you can't judge a book by its cover, but judge people by their actions. So I don't know. I mean, we're trying to break down the race barrier. Does, or break- yeah, I mean, it does take one person at a time. It's just, I, I wish we had louder voices, maybe, the people who are um, interested in, in nuance and, and complicating things. And, and the, here's... And I don't know if this is something that resonates with you, but I think one of the reasons I was so reluctant to write about it also, and now I'm sure someone's going to find this podcast and, you know, take me over the coals for it. What is that, rake me over the coals? That's like the problem of being an immigrant child, I think, sometimes. I kind of get those sayings wrong sometimes. Anyway, rake me over the coals, I think, is what they say. But when you talk about being mixed or the mixed experience, I think a lot of times the people who haven't been having the conversation the whole time with you assume that you're not coming from an educated stance, that what you're, when you're talking about the mixed experience, that you're not necessarily incorporating this idea of white privilege or even light-skinned privilege and what that means and like the very horrible and dangerous ways in which uh, blacks were pitted against each other for so long, Um, you know, not just in slavery where there were 
field Negroes and house Negroes, but that there was a privilege to being quote unquote half caste or mulatto or whatever the word was. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we could agree that, yes, you know, I'm taking into account that historical complication and now trying to change the narrative around this, then maybe we could talk to each other. But I, right now I feel like, geez, how how do we make that next step? How do how do we even have the conversation? Like, you know, even Michelle Obama won't talk about her great, I guess it's her great-grandfather who was biracial. And there was a big story in the New York Times about the genealogy of her family. I think the story was, in fact, that her, her great-grandmother had been a slave who was raped. Her great-great was a slave who was raped, and this is a product of a rape. And we have to... I, I don't know, I'm rambling now, but I really feel like if we could enter a conversation saying, I recognize the horror of all of that, except we're also in a new day as well, and there might be a space for us talking about a mixed experience of growing up in a space where you're culturally and racially different with different families or whatever it is. I don't know. Right. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I... No, you're you're right, and that and that. Whenever I've researched, I've gone to research. Like when I found out that my um, biological dad was born, in, or that he, that his father was born in St. Thomas, and I went and researched. I said, okay, well, that, what let me, what's the history there? And reading the history there, I mean, it's shocking. It's just shocking. It's it's sad. It's it's, um, you know, it is hard to look at the history of, um. American slaves and just to, just to look at the whole history it is it's it's maddening and um it's upsetting and um and we can we can focus on that we can but then that that doesn't move us forward you know right. like what is like we have to okay like that happened like you said like that happened we have to move forward and we have to stop hating and stop um i don't know we just we do need to move forward and like hey it's okay that this person who is of mixed race wants to identify as a mixed race person. Like that, that just has to be okay. You know, like there has to come a point where that's okay. And somebody doesn't, um, cause that is the hardest part. People telling me that I should be more black, that I should act more black, that I should, um, a- a- embrace that. I mean, who, I don't know how someone can tell me what I should or shouldn't do. You know what I mean? Like, um, uh, but what is that, and I don't know if I'm saying wrong, saying this incorrectly, but I don't want to look at it as a, as the color of my skin because I don't like to be judged by the color of my skin. I don't like to be treated differently. I don't like to see my children treated differently because of um, my one daughter has curly hair like me. I don't like it that people think that she's, you know, something other than what she wants to be. I don't know. I yeah. think that makes sense, but um, I just it, well, uh, it's complicated. It is also complicated because we are we are all coming at the conversation from different perspectives, and and we're not necessarily informed about how much the other person knows. I mean, you know, the, the Twitterverse; those are just kind of um, road rage reactions. They don't really think so much about that. But the people who wrote things that were really critical of Tay Diggs 
the first thing I wanted to say to them was, dude, he's an actor. He's not a spokesperson for mixed people, you know? That's, right, that's right. Just, it's just not fair. Like, he, he didn't say it as artfully as he possibly could, but he's also just talking on the fly. And he's an actor. He usually has a script with him, and he's not our spokesperson. Um, right. And so, and then on the other hand, I thought, well, at least people are talking about this. Like, it's something that people are thinking about right now. What is this biracial thing? What is this mixed experience? And so in that regard, I guess that was kind of satisfying. Anyway, <laughs> we have solved nothing today. Um, <laughs> but I I'm, know. I'm so glad to have had a chance to kind of talk it out because I was not able to put into a coherent post or essay in 200 or 300 words my, you know, varying thoughts about all of it. Anyway, I thank you for that, too. <laughs> oh, thanks, Heidi. Well, Peg, uh, this may have to be like an annual thing. You'll have to come back next year and let us know how your Thanksgiving goes if you spend it with this now larger and extended family that you have. Yeah, I will. If, I'd love especially to. Especially if you play dysfunctional family bingo. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. You got it. You got awesome. It. Well, thanks so much. I will talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Heidi. Always great talking to you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. Uh, Peg, I, you know, I know there are a lot of you guys out there who are mixed and adopted, and maybe you have thought about searching. I bet Peg would be okay with um, you reaching out to her if you have questions about how she did it specifically, more questions. I can definitely ask her. So if you want to know, send me an email, Heidi at HeidiWDuro.com or tweet me at HeidiDuro. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. We're back again next week, actually with two episodes, and um, those will be the last two episodes of 2015 because I'm going to go on a little holiday. I'm going on a holiday break until January. So join me again on Monday. It's going to be awesome, you guys. We have four professors from University of Michigan who I'll be speaking with, and they're going to talk about their own mixed experience and the ways in which it plays a role in their work as academics. This is actually kind of a takeoff on a series that University of Michigan is doing all year long, and these are the professors who gathered for a panel discussion about two months ago there at the University of Michigan. So I'm super excited about that. And then on Tuesday, I'll have um, <laughs> these great artists. I hope you um, get to hear the episode. Of, it's called The Mixtape. I haven't seen the show yet, but they're they're really, really interesting group. Um, Go check out their stuff. I'll have a post on the website later today. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me. My name is Heidi DeRoe. This is The Mixed Experience, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.